Well, I'm not going to ask you the social media question of the week. Why not? Because uh, the now, question was. Now, now I want to know what it is. The question is, where did you take your significant other on their on your first date? Oh, that yeah, that's hard for me to answer. No, I, yeah, I can't. That's why I wasn't going to ask you, but I I kind of I did bait you a bit, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, hi everybody. It's, it's not that uh, I can't. Re- you know, even if I had a significant other way back when, which I did not, I I had lots of friends, but I wouldn't be able to remember the first date anyway. Because it would have been that long ago. Yeah, it was like, you know, before we recorded things. Claire and I went to go. We saw a movie at the Super Cinemas at Spring Meadows before it got torn down and turned into Art Van Furniture, which I think now Art Van Furniture is closing down. That makes me feel old now that <laughs> now that you say that. But um, do, do you give directions that way? You know, go down the street to where the Kroger used to be and then take a left. Uh, I hate that when people who have lived in a town for a long time and if you're the newcomer. They give directions by what used to be somewhere. You know, go down to that four-way stop where there used to be the greenhouse. That's and, true. I, I do that in Waterville. It's by the old Kroger. And the old Kroger has not been there for years now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, thanks for making me feel bad about that. But anyway. Remember that. Yeah, I do. I won't forget. You remind me each week. Well, welcome to the 23 Podcast, everyone. It's good to be with you. This is our Holy Week edition of it. We, as you know, record this on Tuesdays. So today is Tuesday of Holy Week. Uh, By the time this episode of the podcast comes out, it will be Holy Thursday, and we'll be preparing for our evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, which will be at 7 o'clock. So before we get into the readings for the weekend, why don't we just real quickly recap the schedule for Holy Week uh, so everybody knows we're all on the same page. Okay, it, I'm starting today. Uh, we're recording this earlier than usual because at 11 o'clock on Tuesday morning, of course, people won't hear this unless they are somehow listening as we talk. Um, there's the Chrism Mass at the cathedral. Yeah. That's That has two main purposes. One is where all the priests assemble and they recommit themselves to the priest, priestly ministry for the year. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is the blessing of the oils used in the sacraments of all the parishes. Both are important, and in this case, this year, it's going to be streamed from the cathedral, and none of the priests will be there except, like, one or two assisting priests. And the, the bishop I, will I, the oils. I picture you sitting at home with your white chasuble on all by yourself. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they did send out a reminder to the priest, and then the the. The recommissioning of the priest or the recommitment is like renewing vows has three or four questions. So they send out a copy of the questions so we we can read them in advance. They're very, very meaningful. I don't have them at my fingertips, uh, but it's basically uh, will you continue to uh, form your life in the person of Jesus and in his ministry? And then the one will you complete continue to take to heart uh, the call to be a presbyter of the church providing Eucharist for people uh, and allowing it to spiritually feed your life and renew you. So I always love that part. Then there's the blessing of the oil. Normally, each parish has a representative who brings the oils back to their parish. And I remember when I was at Mansfield St. Peter's, there was uh, there was a woman. There were three different people went to the cathedral for Mansfield, which is a long drive. And they made a big day of it. But the woman brought back the holy oil, oil the sick. And she brought it back to the church that afternoon, Tuesday. And that evening she called me and she said, 
uh, my mother, and I knew her mother was aging and ill. She said, my mother is very sick. Would you come anoint her? So I came with the oil that her that had just been brought back from the cathedral, and I anointed the woman, and she was conscious enough, and I said, you know, your daughter just brought this from the cathedral, and you're the first person that I get to anoint with the new oil. It's really beautiful. It was quite a beautiful story, um, and it meant a lot to both of them, the daughter and the mother. Uh, but so it it is uh, a nice understanding that we're all connected, that these oils don't just show up, you know, that we just don't go buy some oil and then bless it, but that they come from the common source uh, of the people assembling at the cathedral. Sure. I, and I think that's that would be my commentary on it as well. The I've been to at least one or two chrism masses. And one, it's a wonderful opportunity just to see people and friends from around the diocese that you don't get to see very often. So there's the camaraderie and the community of that. But also the idea that, you know, our bishop is really the shepherd for all of Northwest Ohio. And the fact that these oils then will be divided and given to the parishes so that God's grace can actively infiltrate our lives through the sacraments is a really powerful symbol and that that it all comes from that common source. And then uh, Holy Thursday, of course, there is no morning mass. Holy Thursday evening is the, the mass of the Last Supper. Normally we wash feet. We're not doing that this year. It also normally ends with a uh, Eucharistic procession to a side altar for veneration till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. We're not doing that this year, <clears throat> but we will have the mass. We will have the same reading from the Gospel of John about the Last Supper, the washing of the feet, even if we're not actually doing it. Um, that's and we, so we will have some time for um, prayer at the end of the mass as as well, you know, um, we'll sing, stay here and keep watch. And even from home, we're hoping that people can just have a little time uh, just just to pray and um, to commemorate what that evening is about. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing what we can from afar. Uh, Good Friday, we're going to do it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but it will be rebroadcast at 7 in the evening. This year, we know that there will be people available in the afternoon that perhaps in the past had not been. So we're calling on people to think of Good Friday afternoon as almost like the old days, uh, that it's a very reverent time from noon to three. So we'll start at two. Uh, Again, it will be a little different because we're not going to have the veneration. We'll we'll venerate the cross and unveil the cross, but we're not going to have people come up individually and kiss the cross because there's no people to come up. Right. Also, we don't have communion. It is the one day of the year we're not allowed to have Mass. There are, so there are hosts that are consecrated from Holy Thursday, specifically for Good Friday. And for clarification, that happens every year. That's not just a, a coronavirus thing. That's uh, every, every year, Good Friday is the one day that Mass is not celebrated. In the Eastern Church, the Orthodox and the Eastern Rite, they, they sometimes refer to it as the, the Mass of the, the, pre, the pre-sanctified. In other words, that the hosts were pre-consecrated. Uh, we don't use that in the, the Latin rite of the Catholic Church. Uh, we simply have the host from the night before. But it's the same notion. And then, of course, uh, the biggie of the whole year is the Easter Vigil. Uh, normally, this is two, two hours, two hours and 15 minutes long. Uh, men and women are baptized in profession of faith and confirmation from RCIA. This year we have uh, 18 people, nine adults and nine 
high school teenagers who have been working with Paul and and his team. And there would have been, there will be four baptisms, but not at the Easter vigil. We don't so know this yet. year. We'll have the Easter vigil done in seven and a half minutes. <laughs> no, my homily <laughs> itself is eight uh, <laughs> or maybe twelve. Have you noticed my homilies have been longer uh, since the church is empty? I oh, I've noticed. Actually, <laughs> I was I uh, I've been enjoying your homilies, but the I noticed for, especially for Palm Sunday that's much longer than you normally would preach on on Palm Sunday. Oh, no, yeah, normally because we read the the, the longer patient, so uh, the patient account. Um, but anyhow, so uh, it's going to be we're not lighting the fire outside. We will have the Easter candle. You will sing the exalted. Well, well. I'll do my best. I can't make any promises. So, and then at Easter morning, of course, we're going to have uh, a 10 o'clock mass, and that's going to be glorious. And we get to sing the glory to God. We get to sing hallelujahs uh, both on Saturday night and Sunday morning. And we know that for many of us, Lent is not over in terms of the actual situation that we're in. Sure. Nonetheless, Nonetheless, uh, spiritually, we're going to be, we are Easter people. You know, uh, uh, quite a few people have said to me that it must be really hard to be in church when we're broadcasting with all of those empty pews and not to be able to see anybody or hear anybody. Uh, and I would say to an extent, I feel that way. I know that you, you do as well. But I've, I've noticed that I, I can still feel the presence of, of all the people that are joining us. There's like this this energy in the space. I don't know if you've picked up on that or not, but there's an energy in the space that although we are apart, we are still gathering together. And I, that's why I'm excited about Holy Week, that even though we won't be physically together, we still get to go through each part of the, the Paschal Mystery and the Triduum and still celebrate that as community together. I, I, I agree with you there. I don't know if I feel the energy uh, literally feel it, but in my head, I know it's there. Yeah. And in my head, I know that we're assembling. And of course we hear from so many people about how their families are, uh, responding, uh, week after week, it gets harder and harder. We have to make, you know, that's what I said at the end of mass this past Sunday is, uh, you know, we're in it for the long haul. This is not, you know, that it's a little trite to say it's a marathon and not a, a sprint. But it truly is. And when you run a marathon, uh, you get up to mile 20 out of 26, by the way, in case you're wondering. Uh, you get up I, I do know that. Yeah, thank okay. you. <laughs> you get up to mile 20 or so or 21. And that's when you you just have to gut it out. That's when you you just keep saying, I'm going to keep on going. And so we have to make the commitment to uh, put ourselves into it fully week yeah. after week after week. Yeah. A lot of people told me that they cried through the whole mass this past Sunday. Um, uh, for Palm Sunday. I think there's a lot of emotion connected with that day for many reasons. Well, and then obviously heightened by what's going on, you know. So so let's go to Easter because we believe in the resurrection. And I'm going to read the gospel passage from uh, Sunday morning, not not the one from the vigil, which is perfectly fine, but uh, I think more people are going to be tuned into the one on Sunday morning. Sure. So it is from... Gospel of John, we've been reading a lot from Gospel of John, which is great. Chapter 20, verses 1 to 9. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark 
and saw that the stone saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Simon, so Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there, and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. It's interesting, he saw and believed, even though it says that they didn't understand. Which is really cool, because I think sometimes we think that belief is based on uh, understanding or concrete proof. Mm. But belief transcends all that. But I love this, the whole thing about these two guys. Simon Peter was probably middle age, and the one that Jesus loved is John. John's writing about himself, so that's why he doesn't even give his name. But John was young and probably on the track team, and so he ran faster. That he he was on mile 21 of the marathon. <laughs> no, that was actually just a sprint. Uh, yeah. <laughs> got it wrong there. So uh, he, he got there first. And yet many people read a whole lot into this that he looked in, but he didn't go in. So he deferred to Peter because of a lot of reasons, not just because of his age, but also his status. Peter was the leader. So uh, he deferred to him. Uh, but it's interesting, the first person that was at the tomb that morning was a woman. Mm. And we have to keep that in mind. You know, in fact, the women were the most courageous ones through the Calvary and at the tomb. They were not going to let uh, no soldiers, no, no soldiers going to get to bother me if I have a job to do. You know, so uh, they were just very courageous. And Mary of Magdala, of course, uh, is always recounted. Uh, under the cross and so she was there first Um, but maybe the main point about this whole gospel passage is the tomb was empty they came to believe by seeing Jesus no they came to believe by not seeing Jesus the empty tomb signifies the risen Lord but they didn't see him. Now they did in other accounts, including the one from Matthew that we're gonna read on Holy Saturday night. But in John's gospel, they believed without seeing. And, you know, we talk about the empty tomb. I think about the empty church. Uh, in both cases, we, we have to believe, we believe. Now, there's obviously different reasons why the church is empty and the tomb was empty, but. That emptiness pervades many parts of our life right now, and that's not that should not be uh, contradictory to believe, but maybe grounds for believing. It reminds me so much of uh, the bridge of the the pretty popular song we've we've done it a few times called Waymaker, uh, and and the bridge of that song is even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop working. Um, and I think that that's so powerful and, and telling of 
even the crisis that we're going through, because I think a lot of people have, have said, where is God through all of this? Right. How could God allow this to happen? There's always two danger points. One is to say, uh, yeah, where is God? How can you believe in God after 9-11? Or how can you believe in God after Auschwitz? You know, I've heard all those things. Mm. Uh, But then the other danger is the opposite. Like, well, God's letting this happen because uh, he's punishing us because of those no good so-and-so. And And then people point their finger, usually at somebody else, not themselves. Uh, yeah, it's always the other person that's the bad one. Yeah. And I think we have to be so careful not to get judgmental or assume that God is uh, a punisher. You know, uh, certainly scripturally, there is punishment. But in John's gospel, more than the others, but in John's gospel, punishment comes that we bring it upon ourselves. That by not believing. Well, and, and you know, the whole idea of of belief without seeing is it's the faith and the confidence and the, the trust that God is still moving in the midst of all of this, whether it's, you know, finding the empty tomb on Easter Sunday morning or being uh, quarantined inside your house. You know, I was, I was thinking the other day, so I, I don't know this is week three, week four, I've kind of lost track, but even, even in my own life, I'm, um, you know, two or three months of my life is just a, a tiny little blip on the screen. And, and that's just for me. I, I can't imagine, you know, in, in the timeline of um, God, because God is outside the constraints of time, you know, this is, this is nothing, right? And so I think we, we are such an unpatient people. We just have to have patience and trust through this. Well, we are, we are not patient. You're right. And, and plus, uh, there's all people always find gr- grounds to say, oh, it doesn't matter. And again, with something like this, it's not visible. You know, it's a virus that we can't see. And so there's a lot of the unknowns. And then, of course, unknowns lead to fear. Yeah. So people go both directions. Like, it doesn't matter because I can't see. I'm strong and healthy. Or they're afraid of absolutely everything. Right. And uh, we have to be very, very careful with that, too. Um, anyway, so it has to be a time of faith. Now, I don't know if you've talked to people, but I've had a couple of people recently email me about how uh, between spouses, maybe partly initiated uh, by watching the mass on TV, but partly initiated for maybe the, the actual pandemic itself but that they've started talking about questions of faith in more profound ways than ever before. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like our faith struggles with a bad time, but sometimes the bad time allows us to deal with questions of faith. Sure. And can, almost, you Im- can you imagine the questions of faith that, that they, as they were walking away from that tomb that Sunday morning, <laughs> can you, I would love to know what the conversation was, even, you know, despite all of the, the, the preludes that Jesus was giving up until this moment, they didn't really understand. And of course we hear again in, in the story that they didn't fully understand what was going on. What would would you do if your, your loved one was, they couldn't find the body that actually happened to a friend of mine. She was a nun down in Columbus and her father died in the hospital and she went to the funeral home to make arrangements. Mm -hmm. And, they, uh, they said, oh, uh, we've got the body. Uh, and she went into the room. She said, but that's not dad. 
no. <laughs> and and so they said we lost dad. So it was to make a long story short, he got sent to the wrong funeral home. The hospital had a number of deaths at about the same time. And this is like 20 years ago. And now this nun was laughing about it. She said, it took us a while, but we found dad. But can you imagine uh, not being able to find the body of your loved one? That would be uh, extremely difficult. Yeah. And you'd have to have a little bit of a sense of humor. Through. You have to. You have to. Yeah. Or maybe you remember the the accident where the, the two young women were uh, in the accident together. They and one was pronounced dead and the other one was in the intensive care for months and finally recovered. And they had them uh, misnamed. So the one family grieved that their daughter in law was killed mm-hmm. and the other one rejoiced that their other one was surviving in the hospital. But because of the way she was bandaged up, they they could not even see her for for real and they the two girls looked something alike and it turned out as the opposite the this was just a few years ago maybe you remember this uh the the one that uh, they thought had died actually was the one that survived that's talk talk about a resurrection experience yeah yeah You, you can sure say that again okay so i've got i've got one question this has kind of been on my my mind this week and i think it it's practical for kind of maybe a takeaway for how we we go from Easter Sunday. What do you think is a good way that we can still be an Easter people, you know, beginning this weekend and in the weeks ahead, you know, despite what you you alluded to earlier as, you know, it's still going to feel maybe a little bit like Lent with what's going on? I think we have to admit that we have both, that we believe in our heart, we believe in our mind uh, that we are resurrection people. And by the way, we believe that at Ash Wednesday already too. We believe that all through Lent. Uh, but so it's not like we're going to just say, okay, our Lent is over. We're going to continue to travel the road. The road is tough. Uh, it's a detour and the detour is gravel and it's, it's hard in their potholes. And we're just going to have to keep on going. It's a long, long way to Tipperary. It's a long way to... Have you been to Tipperary? I've never gone. I don't even know where it is, but I do know the song. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where it is either. Yeah. Uh, I, well, we'll find out. Somebody's going to tell us. Okay. Uh, but it, it's that whole thing. We've got a long journey ahead of us, but we're not... We're doing it as people of hope. Maybe the word hope is the biggest word that's come through for me during this time of... Uh, a pandemic that and hope is not shallow wishing and like crossing your fingers hope is all about certitude certainty that the lord is alive sure and hope means there's a tomorrow hope means jesus is alive hope means we're not by our abandoned uh and hope means that there's a plan and we we have to figure out the plan the way god's laying it out for us I hope, I trust that some people are going to come out of this far better than before. Uh, I don't mean that they're, well, they might change their moral living, but I think they're going to come out of it maybe with a renewed appreciation for many things. Um, And uh, the things we take for granted, we maybe, but we'll forget. Unfortunately, we'll forget. Uh, But uh, it's going to be a new world afterwards. Yeah, there, there's a, a a little 
tidbit floating around social media right now talking about, you know, I don't want to go back to normal, meaning that I don't want to take going to church for granted. I don't want to take going to the grocery store for granted. I don't want to take hanging out with people, whether it's friends or family, for granted. Uh, and in some ways, I would agree with that. If, if that's normal, taking things for granted, I don't want any part of that either. The next time I have an apple fritter at uh, Dunkin' Donut, I don't want to take it for granted. You better invite me. <laughs> well, All right. actually, you, you would be the third in the group. There's a couple of us already planning our get-together with coffee and apple fritters. That's good. Oh, that sounds like a great gathering. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the 23 Podcast. Uh, we hope you have a blessed and prayerful Holy Week. Uh, we look forward to celebrating you with you again. Again, you can find our full schedule for Holy Week at 23.church. We'll be broadcasting from the website, Facebook Live, YouTube Live uh, for the next few days. So we look forward to being with you. And God bless all of you, please.